0: to gain valuable insight into different career paths and life in general. Let's get to it. In this episode, an old high school classmate of mine, Peter Crisodulo, shares his winding path and how he ended up as a partner at a private equity megafund, Francisco Partners and SF. We hear about what happened to the tech startup he launched during undergrad at Harvard, his analyst days in investment banking at Credit Suisse, his jump to private equity at TH Lee, and finally, his lateral move to the small London office at Francisco Partners during the great financial crisis. Listen to hear his views on where the private equity market is headed, the trend toward hiring from non-traditional channels, as well as the difference across the PE market in London compared to SF. Stay to the end to hear his advice on how to help differentiate yourself in a competitive recruiting process. Enjoy. Peter, thanks for joining the Wall Street Oasis podcast.
1: Thanks for having me, Pat. It's good to see you. Good to see you. uh, I'm excited about this.
0: Yeah. So, just for the listeners to know, we went to high school together a long time ago. (laughs) So, Peter's going to give you a quick summary of his bio and then we'll dive in.
1: Yeah. uh, So, I'm Peter Cristodulo. I'm a partner at uh, Francisco Partners. I, um, uh, I've been with FP for now 12 years. Uh, I spent the first five years at FP in our London office and now I've been in San Francisco for seven years. Um, prior to that, I was at TH Lee in Boston for a couple of years. And before that, I was at Credit Suisse in New York doing tech investment banking. Uh, and before that, I was doing some startup stuff for a couple of years.
0: Great. So let's go all the way back to undergrad. So were you like always thinking startup? Like you started, you did a startup right out of school, but was it more like, did you have always have a finance bent when you were studying, like you're hearing about wall street and everything?
1: I mean a little bit, but I, I would say I was more interested in technology innovation um, than I was in finance. But the, I, since I didn't have a technical degree, since I wasn't like a math major or a physics major or something um, or computer science, um, I had a history, I have a history degree. <laughs> so it was kind of like, well, what can you do? And it's like, so the finance the finance side of things seemed to be seemed to make more sense. Um and I, I worked at a uh, Harvard Student Agencies HSA as an undergraduate doing like refrigerator deliveries and things like that. Um mm-hmm. uh rentals and and whatnot, which which I think was was more sort of finance and and uh accounting kind of uh, training than anything else. So
0: and so when you were, you know, with a history degree and you were approaching graduation, you didn't do the typical like investment banking internships or anything like that? Or was it, what, what happened there?
1: I tried. I didn't, I, it was, uh, Super competitive. Um, it was competitive. And also, um, I think I had like a, like the, the week they were doing like internship interviews. Like I was, I had planned a trip with my then girlfriend. And so I was just like, I'm going to, I'm going to go. Priorities. To like, Priorities. You know? <laughs> so yeah, it wasn't quite as good a choice in retrospect but like uh, at the time it seemed reasonable so that's fair
0: that's fair so you so you kind of missed the boat there and some of the internships and then so as you're approaching senior like your senior year you're coming in you don't have a job lined up but you're thinking to yourself i
1: don't have a job lined up and i and i take a year off to work in a startup um uh and then come back and i actually had a i got a couple investment banking offers what year sorry
0: what year was that
1: um that was oh three
0: so, so you're, I, I, you're, you're, you I, took a year I, off, and what did you tell me a little bit about that? What startup, and what was the deal?
1: I was it was a tech startup. It was it was the spring of 2000. The, the world the world was at its peak. Um, yeah. it, it seemed like anything was possible. Um, and, <laughs> everyone uh, was getting funding. Money was just was flying everywhere. Funded. Yeah, and so uh, a few buddies from college and a few few other folks we knew, we started a uh, we did a, started a software startup, and we raised. $600,000 and, uh, thought we were kind of on top of the world and then everything crashed like really, really fast. And, um, all of a sudden it wasn't, fu- it wasn't cool to like finance kids, uh, in college, like with ideas. And, um, and so we all went back to school basically after taking a year off. So it was, it was super annoying. Um, uh, <laughs> did, but, did,
0: uh, did Harvard kind of take you back with open arms or is what's the, pro- what's the problem? Yeah.
1: It was just like, you, yeah, you just sort of say I'm taking a leave of, I mean, like, like 10% of the kids at, not maybe not ten percent, but but a, a substantial percentage of people were doing that, and um, right, and and meanwhile, like Goldman Sachs couldn't get anyone to like go to their you know, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, it, you know, in you know, whatever information night or whatever.
0: So. You feel like there's some parallels to that now, or or what maybe
1: before? the uh, you know, for. maybe a little bit. I think finance has become a little bit cooler or more interesting because it's. Blending with other things more actively than I think it was. I think there was there was definitely like a finance track, and then there was like a tech track before. And there is still some of that, but I think that um, there's more. uh, Just like in a lot of things, there's more convergence. uh, uh, You know, even just like talking, like like hearing Goldman Sachs talk about them themselves hiring software developers tells you something about like some how some of these organizations have changed. So
0: yeah, Python's that in high demand now. (laughs) (laughs) and VC is really hot still. So, okay. So let's go back to, so you took that year off, you raised 600 K, you did a software startup and I assume you were just like in the product development phase when everything fell apart and then.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. We had like a beta tested product that actually worked pretty well, but like, yeah. Um,
0: do what? Do you, do, you, do you mind sharing what it was like? What were you gonna? What was the idea? Yeah.
1: <laughs> it was. Uh, it was a, a, a. The the concept was this: that if you're in a a large organization, specifically a professional services style firm, mm-hmm. um, a lot of information is caught in your email, and so what the what it was was a it was a search engine that uh, connected to the email server at at whatever the company was, <laughs> uh, and allowed people to do blind searches for for knowledge workers effectively. So you could you could type into our search engine like. Um, you know, let's say you were at a consulting firm, like, hey, we're doing a project for Topps baseball cards, I'm just making up something totally random. Yeah, you could figure out if anyone in the, in the company had like, you know, ever mentioned Topps baseball cards in their email, basically. And what, what, what it would return is, it wouldn't return a list of names, but it would return a list of profiles. And then you could blind email people and be like, hey, like we're starting a, a project for this, Very you know, cool. on this topic, like, do you know anything about that? Or would you like to join, you know, would you like to,
0: Almost like know, internal yeah. intranet search type capability. Yeah, and there
1: oh, and there was a sort of exactly, and so I'm sure was, it
0: exists now, right, or something, it, it, or
1: in different ways, right? Yeah, like people, uh, all that stuff's cataloged a lot, a lot better uh, yeah. today. Between especially with things like Facebook and LinkedIn, it's easier to figure out like what people are interested in or what people you know know or, or etc. So, um, and so it actually worked great, and a monitor consulting was actually our, our big backer, um, and so it worked, it worked fine until. Uh, it was going great until, you know, things fell apart and no more no money, on the same. Yeah. no more money and, and, you know, <laughs> no revenue and things like, you know, little stuff like that. So, yeah. <laughs> um, so, uh, and so and so you go back,
0: back and senior year and along with your co-founders and, um, you said you had some offers at that point for investment. Banking? I did.
1: And I, and I, and I really thought hard about it. A couple of investment banking offers and I really like, like crushed myself thinking about it. I was like, look, I really want to kind of do the startup stuff some more. Mm-hmm. and um and so then i uh i basically spent another year trying to make that ex- that same startup work uh within a different context we had some new managers come in we took it over we moved the company they moved the company to california from massachusetts mm-hmm. um and so i kind of worked with them for a year and after about six or nine months i was just like this is not working and so um And then I was like, shoot! I should have taken one of those investment banking jobs that I had. Oh, so you had had, um, you had
0: kind of turned it down.
1: I turned them down. Yeah, I turned them down, and uh, and then I was kind of like on the street, basically. And so, um, but I did know some people, and I I had you know, you'd gone through those interviews and whatnot. And so, through some um, friends of friends and and pounding the pavement, I uh, was able to get hired at Credit Suisse uh, in the summer of two thousand four. kind of off the street a little bit outside of the banking class um they they I, I pitched them hard that i knew a little bit about technology a little bit about finance and i wanted to work in their tech group and they and they hired me so um, they hired I said, you as like a
0: first year analyst off cycle
1: Hi, hired me as a first year analyst two years old for my grade off cycle exactly exactly just like the just like the prof you know you know very off spec basically but Do, um,
0: you feel like those extra two years have like made you a little more like a a senior, a senior analyst, or not? Not like you felt more mature, maybe for compared to some of the. Well, I yet?
1: I did a little bit, but the funny thing is, I that I missed training. So they all the other analysts had like eight weeks of training or oh, something no. over the summer, and th- they gave me like three days of training, and then.
0: They're like from a liberal arts background with no. And I, like, and I
1: right, and they're like they're, they're like weighted average cost of capital. I'm like I don't know what the that is. Like, like, <laughs> <laughs> like what's this equation? Um yeah. and. and uh, oh my gosh it was it was crazy but um but but basically but i'd say there's the big difference though and this is i think important is because i had sort of swung the bat and missed on the startup stuff and because i was so darn thankful to have a job in investment banking you know off cycle old for my from for the for the grade whatever um i worked really really hard um Mm -hmm. and i i didn't treat it as sort of an extension of college the way that some people you know, I, I observed doing right saying like, Hey, it's Tuesday night. Like we're out of work at 10 PM. Let's go boozing or something like I didn't do it. I, I didn't even come close to doing that stuff. I I was probably at the office to, to midnight more than half the days of my two years as an analyst there.
2: Right. Um,
1: and just work really, really hard, try not to like, you know, stir up trouble or whatever. And, and it was more of like a no fail situation for me. Mm-hmm. Um, than I think, than I think some of the other folks. And so, mm-hmm. Um because of that, I got a lot out of it. i mean, i also like crushed myself but um but i think my my mindset was a little bit different it wasn't it wasn't like, oh, this is a job. I was like, this is like the job and so that that was that was unique i think
0: back in back then oh four o six there was you know, the on-cycle recruiting process was much later. Was yeah. that always on your radar, or did you even know like what private equity was and had it in your head? Or so what? I
1: I knew a little bit because I we sold a company to TA Associates, um, mm-hmm. and so I I I worked on the sell side on some on that, and then I worked on a on an IPO as well. It was a GTCR uh, company, so I kind of had a little bit of sense of of private equity funds. But the whole recruiting things, I just missed the boat completely. Um, mm-hmm. And I, it was already most, it was like already half over before I'd even like thought that I should be thinking about it. I mean, um, back
0: then it was probably done in your second year though, right?
1: It was done in the, it was done. Um, End of your first year. It? The, it was done like the summer. Yeah. So like about 12, 12, wow. 13 months in. So it was, it was like July, August is when it started. Now uh, it's a I, full you
0: know, year ahead of that.
1: And now it's a full year ahead of that basically. Yeah. yeah. But so I got my job in September and that was considered quite late. And, and actually um, the, was interesting was the, the firm I went to TH Lee, they, they were caught a little bit late too. I and mean, that's why the, the KKR and Blackstone and all these places had already recruited. Yeah. Um, and they were, and, and I think the, and so they were, it, it was, it was, it was when this like rat race kind of like, they're, Oh, we're going to go early. We're going to, like, that was, that sort of, Dynamic was just beginning. Yeah, um,
0: the game theory started the game. playing out. <laughs> right, right, right
1: now, we're already at the point where maybe it's gonna, you know, come back on itself, but we'll see. Yeah,
0: we can talk about that in a little bit. Um, I think so. You were a little bit late, but some of the other firms were late, so you still got into some processes. Was Was it the typical head? You spoke to some headhunters. They had you come in, and were you like dead set? You know, after. Killing yourself in bank for a couple of years. Were you like, hey, was there any thought process of, hey, I want to stay long term, sell side?
1: Um, a little bit, um, but the the thing is, the banks also like I was at Credit Suisse. They missed the boat too. They <laughs> they made me a third year analyst offer six months after I had already accepted a private equity offer <laughs> to be an associate. They were and late. I was just, and I was like, and they offered me like a five thousand dollar bonus to like stay as a third year analyst. And I was like, guys i I've already like you should know that I've already I've told people that I accepted this job like six months <laughs> ago. And it's an associate title, and you're giving me a third year analyst offer like now? Like you know, in like a like this like weird mailing thing I got it, you. No one even told me in person. And I was just like, we're we're like not close here. And then I think now yeah. since they they and other banks have gotten a lot you they've gotten a lot more aggressive, a lot more strategic about that. But yeah, it was it was like early days, cowboy you know, Wild West days of how this used to work. And so, yeah, I got a little, I got a letter saying that I'd been selected for a third year.
0: Congratulations. Like, We've bestowed yes. upon you. Like Yeah.
1: I can stay another year crushing myself for you guys. Um, and, uh, uh, you no, know, but I think, um, you know, to, to your question about like, so I, I did go to some headhunters. I was extremely green though. And I'd say my first couple interviews were just disastrous. Mm-hmm. And I, I knew they were disastrous when they were happening, but I, I would, I didn't even know how to prepare for them. They're asking me questions, like walking to one of the, you know, a few of these, I had like modeling tests, like build an LBO model. Like I had never built one. Yeah. Um, I'd, I'd been, I'd worked on an IPO and I worked on a sell side, but um, I would, ne- I, no one had ever explained to me how to, I'd never had an opportunity to do that in, in the first year. I was like just getting some of that yeah. in My second in, in my second year. But I was like building an LBO. I'm like, don't know how to do that. Like, like, how do you define, you know, uh, free cash flow? I'm like, I don't know. Like, which, yeah, you know, uh, I look on the cash flow statement, and you know, it's like cash flow yeah. from operations. Like, <laughs> um, and so yeah, I just like totally bombed. Like a couple, of, I, like one of the interviews I won't name where it was, but one of these interviews I went to, and they asked me some of these questions, and I was so bad that they they like I had I met like one person, and then. I had one like thirty minute interview and then I left and they were and everyone else had like multiple interviews. They clearly had like
2: just asked you up?
1: like asked me early.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's great. And,
1: and the funny thing though is that like I I don't know maybe because I wasn't as close with some of the other analysts and I wasn't like in the flow on kind of ha- like the chatter. I was just like working on the jo- I was like focused on my job because I was yeah. so, like thankful to have the job and I was so ingrained in that that I just sort of missed the whole whisper culture around how to prepare for this like what yeah there's like documents go around yeah all yeah. these like kids are like sharing these LBO things. And, modeling
0: like, I, tests, yeah yeah
1: and i had, i was just like i literally had not seen one of those before i went to some of, the, yeah, and some the, of these yeah
0: and, and the wso private equity course i don't think was out yet so you you had nothing to
1: go on man no, literally not <laughs> i was like literally like just answering the questions as like you know some you know re, you know some educated guesses kind of yeah it's uh, so that was kind of funny. And then I smartened up a little bit. So mm-hmm. I, I, after a couple of those, I was like, hold on, timeout. Like I need to, so I started, started asking around. They're like, Oh, that's how you answer that question. That's how you answer that question. I was like, Oh, okay. This isn't, I just need yeah. to like get my shtick down. And, um, and then all of a sudden I got like three offers on my next, you know, each of my next three interviews were, were good and yeah. went, went into a, a good place. So
0: yeah. And so most of those I assume <laughs> came through recruiters and whatnot.
1: Yeah, absolutely. But yeah. but like the but the whole like it, it boggled my mind. Just like the whole how like ramshackle and, and not organized and yeah and and you know you're getting tested against you know these and these, these like little cheat sheets are like going around among the analysts, and it was just like ridiculous. Like the whole thing was ridiculous. But that's that's what it was.
0: Yeah. It's funny because I think I was even late. I was even later than you. <clears throat> oh,
2: <laughs> now, really? You know, I no, didn't,
0: sorry. I didn't end up at a THL. I ended up at a small shop in Boston and ended up getting fired pretty soon after. Um, but <laughs> cause the fun was going like this. I didn't know that at the time, but, um, I was super late. I was super late and I was the only reason I got a job in private equity was probably because, I mean, I had my head down like you 90 hours. I was clueless. Some kid was like, Oh yeah, you want to go to private equity? Here's a, here's something from Morgan's. Here's a deck from like Morgan saying, What is private equity leverage and how you get generate returns. And I'm like, Oh, I'm like, that's pretty cool. (laughs) Like that's genius. Um, And so I started studying that and that was the only reason then understanding how to like talk about your deals and frame them properly as, you know, as an investor would, I think was really important. But yeah, if you don't, if you don't know what to expect, you're, you're just done (laughs) To to the point where, you know, SEO, you know, the program, SEO, yeah, helps kids. They're come. They're using our mentor program to prep the kids that got offers through their that are starting in banking because they know the private equity interviews are that's not happening so right.
1: fast. Right, and now and now as a private equity person who interviews some of these people, like I mean the the the, the rudimentaryness of the questions we we now ask because the people have been on the job for like it's like they got out of training like two weeks ago, yeah, and they haven't like they've done like one comp set and like that's like all they like. <laughs>
0: They like to put, it, put together some pins or something,
1: right? And you're like, like you don't like. I actually there's like nothing to quiz you on. Like I don't even like like like. Do you like skiing or something? Like
0: we'll yeah, that. I guess that's a good that's a good question. Is what given the accelerated recruiting have you guys tried to like test for any sort of like raw intellectual horsepower, or anything like that, or is it more like how personable and how like how much drive and grip they have, anything like that?
1: We um uh, we've had we've had to uh, rethink how we do some of that stuff, and I think we've um. We've done a couple things one is we still we still do um i would i would call it some we do do some modeling testing stuff, but it's it's more something that you could do intuitively than it is more about than it about like rote memorizing how to how to like define free cash flow as one example like and so it's more about like reading about a so we do this little thing where you read about a company and then you have to like answer some questions and some of them are qualitative not quantitative and some of them are quantitative or how would you think about this or what are what diligence questions would you ask like this company like stuff like that so and so it's more about like trying to you know tease out like what kind of how what kind of thinker they are and that kind of stuff and there is some modeling associated with it but it's not it's not like
0: crazy complex like crazy
1: complex and and i'd say when i first joined fp it was a little more like crazy complex because they were you know, testing people. They want people to come in and kind of know how to do everything. So that's one thing we've done. We've got to, mod- we've modified kind of, you know, our recruiting that way. The yeah. other thing we've done is we've started bringing in some, some non-traditional candidates yeah. um, from different walks of life. So maybe some people who went to law school yeah. or some people who, you know, did some, worked at, worked in a company or did some other things and work um, or in worked in, in politics or something and decided a- they didn't, sorry. What about like management consultants? Have you guys looked in that pool? Yep, we, we've had we actually have always had a history of some management you consultants. Have? So I, I think okay. I'd say historically, our analyst classes um, of call it five analysts or associates our mm-hmm. associate classes of say five associates. You might have like three or four bankers and one or two consultants. Okay, that was kind of like the historical yep. uh, kind of kind of way we've done it. And now I'd say there is still that sort of uh, general uh, general mix, but then we, we've now started to add a couple other um, a, a couple other kind of candidates and it have expanded that a couple more people because we also, I think because we're interviewing people earlier in their own careers mm-hmm. and because it becomes harder to, I'd, I'd, I'd say our, and this is going to come out slightly wrong, but just bear with me. It's like, I'd say the hit rate of successful um, associates is also maybe a little bit worse than it used to be Yeah. because we're not actual, because they, they're a little bit further away from, knowing what they want to do, they're a little further away about knowing about private equity and knowing how we operate and whether they even like finance, like they've been working in finance for like two weeks or six weeks or eight weeks or whatever. And they're being asked to make a decision about what they want to do two years out for another two years or three years. Right. And so like, I'd say like, there's a yeah, things change. Yeah. And so like, you know, I'd say our our hit rate of people who are, who like the job, want to do the job, do a good job is probably 20% lower than it was 10 years ago.
0: Yeah. That's tough.
1: That's so tough. It, it's, it's a bit of a, it's tricky, but we found some of the, sometimes the non-traditional candidates are actually also a little bit like me, um, at They're Craig Suisse, like thankful for the job, like, know it's kind of unique opportunity. Um, and, and it is right. So
0: for sure, for sure it is. I know there's, I know at least on WSO, I, PE is held in extremely high regard. <laughs> um, so talk to me a little bit about going back to your story. Um, so you're able to make that transition. You kind of, you button up, you get your prep right, you yep. get into THLE. You're there for a couple of years and your transition, your timing's interesting. You're leaving. Is it kind of a two and out program where they're like, you know, go to get your MBA then come back or... Yeah,
1: so, so that's what THLE is. Yeah, so I, ju- I, I joined there um, in July of 06 and then I ended in July of 08 and it actually, my, I remember distinctly my offer letter from THC had my like start date and my end date basically. Like it wasn't, there's no, yeah. it's two and out and like hard and fast kind of thing. And, and that was just, they made that very clear. Mm-hmm. Um, and pretty much everyone, not quite everyone, but pretty much everyone who had gone through that program would go to business school afterwards. Um, and yeah, I- I'm curious
0: why you didn't do that path because it's such a well-worn path.
1: Yeah. Well, I, I, there's a few things. One, um, uh, the first one was that I was, because I was two years older for my kind of grade, I was a 26 year old first year associate there and I was 24. I just turned 24 or I was turning 24 when I, um, uh, when I right. went into banking. Yeah. So like I was a little old already. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just, I was like being with my, it, this is my own personal sort of psychology on this. I, I, the idea of like going to business school and quote wasting like two more years just felt so, you know, uncomfortable for me. Um, and also in between you know six oh seven like the the path of like becoming an associate and like staying through uh you know or being a lateral to someplace else um felt more reachable because just just like in the boom we we've had the last uh, few years until recently. Um, you know, there's been a lot more opportunity as there's more jobs and more, more money flowing into private equity. And so while TH Lee was telling me I had to leave, the idea of going laterally to another private equity fund uh, felt very kind of achievable. Um, even, then, in, of course, even in 08? Well, when I made the decision, <laughs> it was different than when I left. So, uh, yeah. so because, tell me
0: about when you made the decision or like how that so you knew you were, you knew you were getting out. You were thinking, were you ever thinking about business school? Did you ever like take the, I, I was,
1: the yeah, I was thinking yeah. about it. And, um, I, I would say that the, um, yeah, I, I was thinking about it for sure. And I, I had one of these, you know, moments where I was just like, I just, I'm not, I'm not going to be that thrilled with it. Um, right, right. so the, the, uh, but, but the other thing that was difficult is when I was at TH Lee, the, and I was starting to interview at some other places all of them were like, well, you know, when are when can you come to New York? When can you come to London? When can you come to San Francisco? Because most of the Boston firms are very much like go to business school kind of places. And so the Boston firms were, I'd say much, you know, just, they just weren't as willing or interested in breaking those kind of rules, like saying, oh, we'll we'll bring you on laterally. Mm. Um, And so I was, I was having to go to other places. And then my answer was, well, I'm an associate at a private equity fund. I don't just like get on planes and like I'm, I'm, I'm working here like on a team and stuff. I can't just like fly to London for two days of interviews. <laughs> I can't, yeah. I can't go to New York like on a whim. And I, I did a little bit of that. Like I asked for like a Friday off here or this or that. And I was yeah. able to do it a little bit, but it was very hard to actually land a job until I was out of THLE. Um, because yeah, that, that was- reminded me of
0: my bank. We're trying to recruit for private equity in your banking. It's, it's brutal. It's brutal. Totally. Yeah, it's really hard. Like, cause you're working long hours. I mean, maybe, I don't know what th- what the hours were like at THLE. I assume they were pretty tough. Maybe not banking hours, but you know, up there. And then, like you said, you, you, the Boston firms maybe were a little more traditional. And the MBA hire that they didn't want to give you a post MBA seat without the MBA, right? For sure.
1: Or even, or even, even if I were willing to be like a senior associate or something or a third year associate, like they they just don't have they didn't have that in the same yeah. in the same way. So the places that I uh, and actually one Boston firm did eventually give me an offer. It was a newer firm. Um, it was a smaller firm, but they. And they wanted someone who kind of knew how to do a lot of stuff because they, they, I was going to be the only uh, you know, associate. associate there. Yeah. Um. And so I chose not to do that. And I chose not to go to this firm in New York. Instead, I, I went to Francisco in London,
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, which actually, um, was a total. You know, the whole thing was a bit of an adventure moving from Boston to London. Uh, I just got engaged, so my fiance and I uh, moved over there, moving firms, and then doing that in the summer of eight I think we, I think I signed in July eight uh and then i we showed up in london like the first week in october um and like it was like a ghost town like Bear and lehman had gone under and like oil yeah. had crashed and all the oil money had left london and so there's like were you worried you know, about your job did you feel like <laughs> yeah, yeah i yeah, was I, like i just moved to another country yeah i hope i, hope. <laughs> I, I just moved to another country i'm you know uh, newly engaged um and, and the world
0: is melting, <laughs> and the world
1: 's melting it 's like okay uh, um, but no we we persevered and um, uh, it was actually a really good it was a really great experience um, and, and what 's interesting is francisco at the i guess i 'd say at the time you know Thomas Lee was a very like finance oriented place mm-hmm. um, and still is but but I, at that time i 'd say like they were really finance their, their finance like the the modeling and all that was like really Involved, mm-hmm. um, and I wasn't very good at it when I first got there because because my uh, my banking experience wasn't as robust on that. But mm-hmm. coming out of that, I I felt really really I felt like from a technical skill perspective, yeah, that was great. Yeah. Um, but then going to going to Francisco, it was you know these tech companies aren't as are, sometimes they're not as difficult to model. I think they become more complicated as the IT. Um, as the information technology world has gotten bigger and bigger and more complicated, and not these companies have become more complicated to, to do things with. But I'd say at the time I, um, it was great because I felt like I had kind of checked the box on the, on the modeling in a way that maybe I wouldn't have had as much at maybe a, a middle market or smaller market fund um, mm-hmm. or sector specific fund, where it was more about the, the sector. And so I think going to FP at that time was kind of interesting because I had a little tech experience and then I had gotten some really solid, uh, technical modeling, skill experience yeah yeah, yeah
0: exactly job. so you you kind of felt confident you were you were confident because you'd already done the job for two years even though is it was a, you were in london is a little bit a little bit different um tell me about those five years like how things progressed what was it like was it a big office big team and then what had you come back here yeah
1: you-, you know I, I, like it was actually it was quite fortuitous the whole thing i mean and Fra- francisco was great with the with it in that uh when i joined there there were four of us in the office mm-hmm. um we actually went down to three people's office for a moment in time in, in, in early Oh nine. Um, um, and then, but when I left in 20 or early 2013, I think we had seven going, going to nine people there. Um, and so we kind of, these are investment professionals I'm quoting. Yeah. Um, but when, but going there to an office with, you know, three, four people at first um, the, uh, the autonomy, the, uh, the sense of team, um the opportunity set is pretty uh was pretty interesting um because we're you know there's no staffing and there's no was there a set know, like
0: how how integrated were you guys from like the london from the london office to the you know sf and, and i mean some, like
1: set somewhat somewhat integrated but uh but and like we'd is there a set
0: assets under management for each team like are you guys responsible for each or is it all one big pool that you guys are just pulling so it's,
1: it's it's all one big pool yeah um the the sector expertise stuff was more in, was was all in San Francisco, okay. and that we were kind of regional coverage um, in London, and that's still broadly how we do it. But there's a little more sector expertise in, in London now, um, and but but what that meant was there were all like I'd say at the time, and even still today to some extent, you know there isn't as much tech in in Europe as there is in the United States, um, but the opportunity to be a bit entrepreneurial and like call on these small tech companies and go to different countries and break through cultural barriers and things like that was, was a lot more um, obvious, I think than in San Francisco where the the associates there were getting, you know, we, we get hit with 20 opportunities a week from bankers or something. And uh, it's not an issue about, it's not like, a, certainly we're doing outbound sourcing. We're doing all sorts of things like that. I'm not trying to say not, but I'd say in, in London there was more opportunity for me to sort of, you know do you know kind of try to make my own mark and trying to um, be a little more a little more a little, little, little more lower market lower
2: me.
0: lower market um like smaller businesses slightly or s- s-
1: smaller businesses smaller team yeah um more kind of uh, ability to you know more more confidence not not as much um i'm not saying again that not to say it's bad at, at a larger place but you know, less being viewed as a unit of capacity right. and more, you know, more integrated kind of team member. So, did bit. you feel
0: like, you know, you're joining kind of whatever the title they gave you, associate, senior associate, whatever? You're I was an of, associate. I was okay. an associate
1: for four, for four
0: years. But you were basically, you know, the only, you're one of three people in the office. So, you were doing a lot of the source, you were doing a, a lot of both the modeling, yeah. the analysis, everything, but you were also out there meeting people and trying to.
1: Absolutely. Uh, and so Absolutely. that was a big
0: part of your job you'd say what do you what do you say in terms of like w- right off the bat was it like that or did they expect that from you or were this more senior guys there doing it
1: no they didn't expect that that me right off the bat nor nor was it really expected really at any time but i'd say the um uh be, be i'd say the the um the market there is just less organized because because there's all these different countries in a pretty small place you know, when Morgan Stan, Morgan Stanley doesn't just like get hired on every software deal or something or, you know, whatever. It's like, you've got cultural things, you've got regional, regional companies, you've got companies, some companies they would, you know, as a, as a representing a California tech fund in London, you know, we'd fly to Italy or we'd fly to France or or take a train to France or whatever, or do do go to these places. And some, some companies were like, we really want a Silicon, we want a little Silicon Valley pixie dust. And they like re- reacted really positively to the idea of us being a, becoming an investor. And other places, it, you know, you, you, you know you, you'd go and, or other, not even places, just situations, mm-hmm. uh, you'd go and you'd be like, you, you'd have this sneaking feeling that like a local fund was going to do the deal because like so-and-so was roommate or brother or cousin right. of someone else. And it was like, the whole thing was an inside job and you were just never going to, you know, had never really had a chance. And so being able to sort of suss out those kind of situations um, and, f- you know, figure out how we can do things um, was uh, was part of my job. The other thing that was really interesting to have in the European market that was a little different than the U.S. market is we had, there were tons of companies that went public at small scale. Mm. So, you know, four or five or six or seven, it was like very hot. It was a very hot thing in Europe to go public to, as a means for Why was companies. That? For companies to make to raise money, because yeah. it was just easy, because it, be it, it was just easier than trying to find a venture or, or or private equity investor. So you'd see these companies go public with 10 million euros or pounds of revenue, or 20 million, or 50 wow. million, or whatever, and they were just small companies. And then when the um, when the when the recession hit, uh, all these a lot of these companies just they were still public, but their stock didn't trade. Because it's like a seventy million euro market cap company, and like yeah. no one cares there's no <laughs> research, there's like one trade in the stock a week or something, and it's on the secondary exchange somewhere yeah and and and, and these companies had like all the costs of being public and none of the benefits yeah. and so one of the things we did was we went and took I think we took seven companies private uh, over a course of a few years there and got very good at that kind of at doing well, the timing the,
0: the timing was really interesting right because if you had
1: you're if you were putting yeah. a lot of money to work from '09 to 2012 you're pretty happy <laughs> well that's right that's yeah. that, that that's right but but also um you know we'd see these companies it's like wait a second you're a 30 percent growth software company and the, the you're being valued on like ltm like eps <laughs> or something you know yeah. um <laughs> <laughs> and and you know, and we look at these companies like some of these we we pay, and obviously the markets become much more efficient now. I'm not saying right. but at the time this was air pocket, yeah. And we we paid like 100 percent premiums for companies, all equity, like just we'll write a check you at a seventy percent premium, like to buy the whole company. Yeah. And as a class, those deals did very well for us. Yeah. Which is just tells, which is just you know tells you how inefficient it was at the time. It's so interesting.
0: Yeah, I'm surprised. You know that even these micro I guess some of these micro cap names there's just been no coverage there's not enough retail people chasing them to, to buoy it right? well, that
1: that's true and the other thing that was true is that tech wasn't sexy in Europe at all at the time interesting um, okay you know it just wasn't up like it, it, it um, really
0: I, that surprises me because you know by oh I guess this was oh I guess it had just we just gone through a crash and everything maybe people were more I guess yeah
1: maybe. like stuff like real estate oil um, yeah financial services you know we're much more kind of where a lot of the economy was uh, mm-hmm. and is. Um, the, the other thing is I'd say Francisco, you know, the idea of going to a tech sector specialist fund mm-hmm. um, wasn't really, wasn't really a thing there. Um, uh, we, we we had a real hard time for a few years recruiting good talent in Europe. And that's part of why they sent me there. That's part of why they, we sent a bunch of other Americans over there. Um, because we couldn't recruit the best people in Europe uh, when we started there, because no one knew who we were, yeah. and and going to a sec a smaller middle market sector specialist fund was not that did tech was like not a like a cool thing to do. I'm surprised with
0: um, like you guys had some good AUM by that that point, right? But
1: we like, did, yeah. But like, but, couldn't you like um, just
0: be like, hey, we have you know whatever it was a billion or whatever? I don't know. I don't well, know. What we,
1: well, well, we we started you know, we started you know as 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 we you know did more deals and you know, more people took notice, we were able to kind of recruit better. And, and Mm -hmm. now it's, I think we're, we're in a good place, but it was definitely a process, an interesting process to see that happen. Um, we didn't really have, I think the right word might be pedigree. Um, and and especially in Europe. Yeah. In Europe, that's a, that, that felt like a bigger, a bigger deal maybe. So.
0: Yeah. The history and the pedigree. Got it. It makes sense. So, so you were there for a good five years. A solid run to be away from <laughs> how often did you come back see family and,
1: and well i think i think i think the first year we were there we were invited to 17 weddings in the united states oh my and, god because like it was like kind of that time of life where yeah. you know maybe not 17 but 13 or something something <laughs> crazy so and a, you know and so we tried to come and go to a lot of them we couldn't go to many of them i'd say I, I would probably go up in the u.s three times a year for work four times a year for work and then i'd probably come another couple times i don't know five five times a year for personal stuff but 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 it would be all these like like crazy weekend trips um to go you know go someplace and then the other thing is no one no one really cared but like we'd be taking sunday night red eyes back to like go and then like landing at heathrow and like going the office like directly brutal (laughs) and and you know you feel like you feel like you get hit by a train for three days (laughs) after so uh so yeah so it was it was uh it was tricky uh for a while there but um but look you know when you when you know embracing it and kind of saying to the family you know and friends and others like hey come to London come you know it's it you know we were young and um we actually had our first child over there and you know the whole experience like that was the experience and like so we tried to immerse ourselves as much as we could um in it while we were there we knew we kind of knew in our hearts that it wasn't gonna be permanent, so. Did
0: you have, like, um, were you able to establish like a good set of friends there? For sure, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. How did you do that? Because like, I feel like you're kind of young and it's a small office. Did you, was just through like friends of friends that knew people who lived in London or how did it?
1: Well, it's, it's, it's funny. I mean, people, I'd say a lot of, you know, a fair number of people from college and even high school and, and, uh, and then people you just sort of meet a lot. There's the expat community is also pretty tight there. So yeah. Um, the Australian expats all kind of hang out together and the American expats, (laughs) and the you know, French expats. And there's some intermingling. I'm not saying like, but, but you kind of, you kind of get to know a bunch of people And, and being from Boston, Um, there was a pretty big sort of Boston contingent there. Um, Mm -hmm. just given, I think, you know, there's some cultural similarities and things. So,
0: um, I did a podcast earlier. The guy was a Jets fan. He was not liking my hat very much. I have a Patriots hat on for those. who. Oh, really? Okay. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Well, yeah. So, so, so we definitely had some like, you know, the, you know the Patriots are playing or the Red Sox or yeah, yeah yeah, I okay. remember actually the Celtics were playing the Lakers in the finals yes and like I'm you know going to like a watch party at like midnight because you know, oh, the wow. game started at you know 1, 1 a.m. London or something oh
2: yeah
0: that's fun that's fun um, so anyway that was good but, so, so you so you're there what kind of eventually did you start kind of asking hey is there a spot in sf or was it they wanted you back what was the how did you move um, that because it was a little be, be it was a
1: little complicated yeah no to ask you it was a little complicated um the, there were a lot of competing different interests there um mm-hmm. one we didn't really hate london We we liked it so we weren't like in a rush to leave mm-hmm. um the other, though, was that, you know, I think, and I think my boss, uh, the head of our fund, you know, said it well to me. He sort of said, hey, Peter, look, you can stay there if you want. Um, I, I think there m- might be career, a little bit career limited there because you had a couple people kind of uh, more senior to me. That, and he's like, I'm not sure how many partners, you know, that office can kind of yeah. have long term. Uh, so you, you may be a little bit pinched if you stay there, but you can stay there. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's like, but don't tell me in three or four years you want to come back. Because he's like, he's like, either come back and make your career here. Yeah. You have some European experience. You have, you know, so that's good. You got global experience. You got some East Coast experience. Okay, blah blah yeah. blah. Mm-hmm. He's like, but if you stay there, like, and I was a, I was like a ten, like a second or third year VP or whatever at the time. Yeah. And he was just like, look, just decide. Are you gonna be? You gonna have your career over there? Or are you gonna have your career over here? And you know, let's make a decision one way or the other. Kind of now-ish. Um, because if you, you know, but if you, if you come to me in two or three years and say, Hey, now I want to come back, then you're in this like weird spot where like,
0: you've already been there for so long,
1: you're there so long, all your contacts, your professional career, your deals, your expertise is more there Mm -hmm. versus coming back, um, and sort of building all that up here, leveraging some of what you have in Europe. It's not irrelevant, Yeah. but, but it's, um, um, but you know, it's more just like, where do you want to kind of make your, make your bed? And I thought that was good advice. And so we decided to come back.
0: And so, um, was there any thought of going East coast at all? I mean, do they have, does FP have any options? We we
1: now have a little office in New York for our credit fund. Um, but, but at the time it was San Francisco or or nothing. And even still now it'd be San Francisco or nothing for, for equity fund people. Um, and so, yeah, so it was San Francisco. So we never lived in San Francisco. So we, you know, from the East coast went to school and worked there and then, you know, London for five years, and now West Coast. It sort of felt like that's a that's okay. That's a good good kind so of. And so you were lessons. able to come
0: back. You made that decision, transitioned the family out here. Tell me what it's been like. Kind of the differences and the yeah, you like it out here, or do you? Uh, I know I love it. Come from you know at least the weather. <laughs>
1: Yeah right. Uh, well, having been cooped up in my house now for forty five days or whatever it's been uh, with yeah. my two little kids in in, in Pacific Heights, uh, it does feel a little cramped. Um, mm-hmm. But um, no, we um, I think we like it a lot. Um, it, look, it's very different. I think there's some things that are good. You know, some, some things that are great, and there's some things that aren't aren't as good. I think the you know putting the putting the personal life stuff aside for a second, I think that the differences in the market is. You know, or perhaps, you know, more interesting to talk about. Um, yeah, and exactly. we've had some London colleagues. I had a, we have a colleague from London who came over here uh, now 18 months ago. Um, and I was trying to explain it to him when he, when he, when we first came and I, I was like, look, the issue isn't deals. There, there are bajillions of deals. The issue is prioritization. Mm-hmm. The issue is where do you have a right to win? The issue is how do you win and where do you focus? and you know what's interesting is like i mean we're just i mean today i've had three inbound you know kind of things yesterday i had four it's just like like that yeah. you you can like you can run in a circle, like, like you can chase in your drill. tail yeah forever yeah exactly it's like oh like let's we'll chase that squirrel let's chase this one it's like it's like you just go crazy yeah um and, and the, I think the thing that's kind of interesting about that is that, you know, a banker will call up and I, I don't mean to say, you know, bankers are not negative. It's just, just like, this is, this is the way it plays out. It's, yeah, your calls up and says, Oh, I've got this great, you know, hundred million dollar revenue, software company, great margins, SaaS, dah, 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 good retention rates, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. You know, what do you think? And, I, and, 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 you know, what what's going through our head a lot of times. And I'm I'm sure every other private equity person feels this way just to some extent. It's like, it's a great company or, or, or how's this, at least as presented, you know, undiligenced as presented, it looks like a great company. Yeah. But that could be very different from being a great opportunity for me. Right. Um, because every other person out there is going to think it's a great company and all, you know, 50 of us who they send books to are going to be bidding against each other on it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, am I going to be the, you know the guy who advocates to to my partners that we pay more than all those other folks do for a, a really nice asset um that's being run in an au- in a, in an auction that's being reported on the paper and like we have strategics and all and it's just yeah. you're just like you know even just look at the expected value of the time time investment on some of that and you're yeah. like i have like a 1% chance of winning a 2% you're, and you're just like and i'm going to i'm going to have to spend how many hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars to diligence this thing to right. provide a final right and, and so the mar- and so, you know, that's not the issue in Europe. In Europe, there are few opportunities and it's more about like lining them up years in advance and or or talking to them proactively or going to yeah. Copenhagen or wherever else to talk to them meet them and, and explain why they should think about, you know, you know, US money or what, what they want to achieve in the United States and how we can help them do that. And in in the U.S. market, it's 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 the opposite. There's like millions of things to look at. Its question is, how do we triage? Yeah. How 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 do we decide how to take these thousands of things at the top of our funnel and figure out wh- which ones to spend time on? Do you feel which like ones-
0: do you feel like large funds like like you've been forced to move down market like significantly to find less some of the inefficiencies and so, Because it sounds like it's just being the bigger deals that match your that your profile are just so well shopped now, like you said. Um,
1: well, and- well, it's, it's not that you can't buy a shop deal. Yeah. Um, it's more, it's just more like, you know, very intellectually and honestly figuring out like why, like, like how are we advantaged? Right. You know, are we, do we have a thesis that's, you know, contra, you know, uh, uh, you know, contra, you know, general, you know, the general view of it. Do we have a, um, do we have a, a CEO ready to drop in who can change the way the business is operated? Do we have a portfolio company that we can merge with this? Mm-hmm. Do we have, um, uh, an acquisition idea that we have lined up someplace that no one else would have thought of? Right. Um, you know, have we been, have we been, you know, did we own a competitor to it previously? Um, and might they value our expertise? Um, so whatever it is, um, we really try very hard to like write down on paper, like like not just sort of talk past each other on it, like or, or, or be like, oh yeah, like we've got an angle, like actually try to figure out where we we think we do have angles or whether where we can be advantaged, um, and try to you know really spend time on the ones that we think we can actually get done. Because look, the reality, the other thing is on these on some of these situations. Look, if you're not first you're last. And so there's like the absolute worst thing, is coming in second. (laughs) Like, oh, I just and all the money. I blew three months of time. I spent a million dollars, and I don't even get a silver medal.
0: (laughs) You don't even get the asset, (laughs) (laughs) right? Yeah, yeah.
1: Um, I got a one time. I got a bottle of wine in the mail from the founder of a company because he was so like he was a he he he, he felt badly for us. Um, it's only happened once. <laughs> so, so um, but you know, but that's, that's a sort of market. So, and, and the other thing is like, you know, a lot of times we, you know, we just put aside all the, the inbound stuff and we just talk, we think more holistically, like out, let's think about outbound, like what assets do we want to try to own the next few years?
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: let's start planning now about, you know, look, maybe they'll come up for sale in some sort of banker auction. Maybe they'll Maybe they won't. Maybe there'll be some catalyst for a deal before that. Maybe we'll have a coronavirus situation and they'll need to raise some money. Maybe they'll want to make an acquisition and the founders can't finance it themselves. Um, you know, maybe we could bring them some acquisition ideas. Maybe, you know, maybe, maybe, maybe. Well, let's let's think of some things and and let's try to be proactive about what we do with them. You know, way ahead of there being the event some an event. Yeah, if if you like, when, the, the absolute worst is like we get a call. And it's like the first time we're hearing about the existence of the company is when it's for sale. Mm-hmm. It's like, you already know you're you already know you're, you've lost. <laughs> <laughs> that's, fair. that's fair.
0: So yeah, there was actually a really interesting discussion um, on the site recently. It was, it was uh, distressed investing. This time is different and talking about all the dry powder that's, that's out there and how. You know, all these distressed investors and all these these firms are ready to pounce. And it's funny because we're kind of seeing it play out in the public markets, where like there's so much money out there. And like, well, I think part of the reason the market's down so fast is because there's nobody pulled out all the all the passive investing We <laughs> just let their money. nobody pulled it out. No one, there wasn't the full panic yet. Um, hopefully, it won't happen. Um, but we'll, we'll, we'll see. We'll see. Okay. Yeah. So, tell me a little bit about um, your perspective on just the amount of capital in PE and do you feel like you said there's so many deals. Is there enough, do you guys have enough manpower like to actually do that legwork that you were talking about in terms of, you know, for years or potentially a year or two, you know, kind of prepping the deals before they even happen. Do you have that? Is that, is that enough? Do you feel like to, to yeah, you know it's it's tricky. Um, because you, uh, you look at the numbers, it's crazy. Like the amount of dry powder out there is just exploding. Yeah, right. So
1: yeah, no. Look, it, it's it's a balance, and I think it's a it's a it's a it can be a tricky balance to to manage. One is, you know, managing people. It, you know, managing highly mm-hmm. intelligent, highly compensated private equity people
2: mm-hmm.
1: isn't that easy, right? And yeah. I, I don't mean to say that like uh, I, I, I. It's just like trying to make sure people are aimed at things that we're interested in and trying to put enough wood behind the arrow and also make sure that they've got enough to do and, you know, have the right support structures. Cause Oh okay, yeah, we want to go see some company in X, Y, Z place. Cause we've been tracking it or whatever. Um, well, you know, the associate probably shouldn't go alone. Like we should figure, you know, figure out who, and then, then the question is like, well, why are we interested in it? Like how long have we been tracking it? Like what do we actually know versus don't know? right um and you start kind of having those conversations so it's not as easy as just like saying hey like go figure out what you can find out on this company let's go see it um although sometimes it is that simple but i'd say so we're trying to figure out what the right balance of like of like no number of people Mm -hmm. that we can actually kind of deploy and manage appropriately in some sort of systematic fashion um with also you know maintaining some intimacy and some and some coverage and i'd say one thing that you, you can get into trap in, I think it's like, look, private equity is not a market share business. Mm-hmm. It's not like, um, uh, you know, you, you don't have like, it's just cause account. someone, yeah. yeah. And like, you can like wait for your pitch, like to, you know, to quote Warren Buffett or whatever, like you don't have to do anything ever. Um, and, Just because someone else is successful and you miss something doesn't mean like you you didn't like lose like you just you're just doing something different. So so it's just
0: it's just a question of like there's committed capital and there's a certain time frame on it and if if you don't put it all to work you don't put it all to work and it's your your right. Yeah, or
1: sometimes you find things you know at a pace that's too fast and you say hey okay like you know we've just put out a bunch of money like the bar is now a little higher. Yeah. You know for the rest of the year because we've just done a bunch of things or something. It's sometimes like hey the bar is a little lower and uh, we're trying to you know uh we're yeah. not we're not macro economists we're trying to put out a similar number amount of money a similar number of deals each year and also sell a similar number of companies and, and return a similar amount of money um each year uh to the extent we can and that's that can get tricky you know with in in cycles but um it's really not about you know keeping up with the joneses it's really more about like hey we're doing we're doing what we're doing and Right. Maybe it'll work. Maybe it won't.
0: But have you found there's been like it, some success in selling to um, not just st- less to strategics and more to other funds? Has that,
2: has that? We've done
1: some out? of that. Um, I, we've done we've done some of that for sure. Uh, I mean, I think everyone has uh, I, the um, you know cult you know cultivating the strategics and actually getting a strategic to bite is um, it's it, it's it's very hard to predict. Um, you know, the timing can be wrong. The uh, the, the, you know, their ability to pay their interest in paying, you know, what the, the pull push, you know, what their worries or fears or, or, uh, you know, analysts what are saying names? about their motivations or their stock yeah. or whatever. So it's very hard to kind of figure out, like sometimes, you know, um, uh, you know, there's some big mergers in some industry and then there's no, you know, like a couple, a, a mega merger happens and then there's like no smaller M&A for, a year or something and you don't know when those exactly it's hard to predict when those air pockets will be or whatever. So I think we, we don't try to really, you know, we, yeah, we'd love to have strategic exits. That's great. But I think the sponsor exits can be, can be great too, especially when we want to roll over, um, keep going at it. Um, and maybe, maybe sometimes we can can keep control of a business and, and sell a small, a smaller stake so we can get some money off the table that way. We'll continue to control the investment or in other places we, we want to give up control. And we want to just ride along with a 25, 35, 40% share Right. and let, let someone else take the reins uh, who we like and trust and whatnot. And so, you feel like the um,
0: flexibility, like there's enough flexibility with the, the structure of the fund to allow you guys to, to do that? Do you feel like, um, like, because uh, I know at least when, when I was in PE, it was like you know, the expectation is typically like three to seven years, right, on the exit. And I think the fund mm-hmm. life's around 10. Um, typically in a 10 year period, we see a lot of, you know, at least one big pullout like we're seeing it now, but it was a long bull run. Right. And if the, the way I saw it is like, valuations were stretched for like the last five years. <laughs> like you, you, I was hearing at least back in 2016, like, Oh, we're way too high. We're way too high. Wait, it's going to pull, it's going to pull. And like, if you had waited,
1: um, it was, it was, hard uh, I think. thought, I thought valuations were, were too high every year since 2011. 2011 so so, (laughs) So you're with me okay (laughs) so i'm with you um and uh you know so it it always feels like oh it's just a little out of reach
0: yeah i always feel like it's really hard because as from the financial discipline perspective it's and like from a pure finance perspective especially coming from that background um and not having like you're not coming from like the vc background where you're like well let's just look at tam and let's look at you know how monstrous this could be in 20 years it's it's tougher right
1: um uh, for, for, for sure. Uh, I think you're exactly, exactly right on that stuff. I mean, look, again, we don't try to, um, we're not macroeconomists. We do, if we just try to put out a similar amount of money, produce a similar amount of deals, you know, spying yeah. and selling, then, you know, the stuff you're talking about, you know, it's will work good. itself out. Yeah. You know, I think one of the issues is that when you have an event like this, like what's happening now, or like what happened in '809, mm-hmm. there's not that much for sale. Right. Um, it's hard to actually deploy money. Like, okay. Like, Oh, the market's down. Let's buy stuff right what <laughs> yeah
0: who's gonna um, who's gonna sell you their distressed bit you know it's, right, it's unless
1: they're like really distressed yeah. okay um not like at least majority stake deals are like like buying the whole company kind of deals aren't really getting like the whole market's shut down right now for that kind mm-hmm. of stuff then you go look at like there's a bunch of pipes being done but the, but they're being done now to your point before there's t- so much money out there yeah. they're being done at very yeah. attractive rates for the companies Right. Um you look at look at some of the I mean look at what uh, Twitter got done you know just actually just happened right before the corona really hit but like it's like it it it's like there it's like 0.375% interest so less than half a percent interest and then a conversion premium that was 30% higher than the stock price at the time now the stock's down so it's like a almost like a 100% premium now right. um but like you look at that and you're like, that's pretty cheap. You know, I look and I think Twitter will grow and it'll grow out of it. And over a five year period, like that yeah. might be a great investment, but you look at it from the company's perspective and it's like a pretty good financing. Right. Um, uh, or you, you did some, a great job there. Yeah. <laughs> sorry, well, right. Um, so yes, there are certainly some distressed things right now, but then there's also like, you know, a whole bunch of folks piling in to try to do them uh, because mm-hmm. there is a lot of drive powder to your point. I think what, what's more interesting is seeing just like when the market actually starts stabilizing. Um, and the private market there is like an m a market again like the debt markets are back yeah. you know maybe at a lower level maybe less attractive terms but but there's a functioning market and that and there are actually people who want to sell into that uh, right now no one on the sell side um, is interested in actually selling um, into into the storm right now and even if they did like there's no debt market to support it so i you guess there'll be
0: some pent-up demand later half of this year if we get back to somewhat normal like there may be a flurry of i think so
1: activity I, I, think well. I think it's possible i think it certainly it's possible i mean yeah. look one of the one of the issues of private equity that you know we deal with a lot is that like look we're unfortunately we're not we can't own our companies forever yeah um we just can't and portfolio proliferation is a huge issue like an annoyed, a way bigger issue than anyone's ever talks about mm, it's interesting it's just like i'm on you know it's like hey if i if i had 12 companies instead of seven or whatever mm-hmm. i would never be able to do anything like i wake up in the morning and you get like 100 emails because there's stuff going on at all these places all the time and yeah And so, uh, you know, the the ability to act like, even if it's not perfectly economic, or even if you think in in six months or 12 months or two years, you can do better. Yeah. Unfortunately, you can, if you think like that, you'll never sell anything. Yeah. And so you kind of need to just pony up and sell stuff sometimes, even if it's not perfect.
0: That's an interesting concept. In terms of like the number, that's that's interesting. In terms of like the partner at a partner level, like yourself, is that typically around where you'd like to be um, in the five to ten range, rather than not not getting up to the twelve to fifteen. Like if you get up to there, that there's a problem because it's just hard to. For, out. for
1: for sure, yeah. and and actually, even some of mine, um, you know, we we've tried to find ways to you know bring bring some other people around it, maybe a principal or some other uh, folks to make it lower touch and look some and some investments are low touch by their nature cuz you're a minority investor or right. someone else's someone else is driving the truck and you're just you know on it mm-hmm. but you know the ones that are high touch where you're kind of dri- driving it it can be it can be very uh very involved for sure so yeah like i think that's right i think i think the one for the ones that you're uh where you're kind of leading the charge as the majority owner and you're the partner kind of leading it i think no more than five or six
0: really yeah Yeah. or it gets pretty stressful
1: (laughs) it's stressful but it's also just time like like it's like oh there's a new opportunity in atlanta like oh i guess I gotta fly can't 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 do that because i'm going to seattle to deal with my portfolio company thing. so
2: yeah
0: interesting well peter i really appreciate all this is there any kind of uh, advice you'd give your younger self or i guess before we even go there <laughs> before we go there, a, and, a lot.
1: But go ahead.
0: Yeah, before we go there and wrap it up, I, just in the coming years through this like whole. I know it's hard to predict the future, but any for private equity in particular, and what you see coming through the rest of this year and next year, do you think that it, how are things like going to come out? Like when you said the debt markets coming, out you think there's going to be a lot less leverage, obviously, um, tighter covenants, like kind of how we came out of like the um, 2008, 2009, or do you feel like it's going to potentially go back to kind of high lever, high levels of leverage and aggressive evaluation.
1: Um I think it'll, I think it'll, um, I think, the, I think it will snap back pretty fast. Um, however, I think it'll be a little be be a little bit of a haves and have nots kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So for quality um, for companies that maybe weren't like they're, you know, most of the companies are affected in some way, but some companies are less affected than others or some, for some it's a positive what's happening with Corona in the, in the, in the situation. So I think for companies that are, you know, stable to growing um, and are considered quality, uh, they will be able to go right back to kind of the leverage levels and other things that we've been talking about. I think for businesses that are, you know, face headwinds associated with, you know, the the dis- dislocation of coronavirus, um, I think it could be, I think it could be tricky. And I think a lot of those companies that have debt, that debt is traded way off, mm-hmm. um, whether it's public or private. And so um i think the you know if you own one of those businesses like selling in and you know a buyer not being able to get the same debt package that the company already has can be can, can cause a misalignment as well so it's gonna take some time to, to, to kind of work through but i think for the quality uh credits it'll it'll come back very quickly and be just and i think there's liquidity unlike unlike 0809 liquidity isn't isn't the issue like the bank liquidity and lender liquidity is not the issue here.
0: Banks are really healthy, at least in the U S yeah.
1: And, and look, yeah. and, and even if, even if they're not healthy, they can go to the, the fed window and kind of get money <laughs>
2: <Free> forever money.
1: <laughs> um, against, against a whole, whole sorts of different assets. And so that's not, that's not the issue. The issue is the, is the actual company performance.
0: Yeah. Fair. All right. So now we'll jump to the, the advice you'd give your younger self or any of the younger listeners that are kind of wanting to follow in your footsteps. What would you say? <laughs>
1: <laughs> um well what i would say is um i'd say that there are a lot of different flavors of venture capital and private equity and there really aren't i really believe this there aren't better flavors and worse flavors they're just different
2: mm-hmm.
1: um and so you know for some people they want to go work at the biggest buyout shop there is and some other people want to go work at the best VC. well you know there's a history on these things. Like the best VC today is probably not going to be the best VC in five years or in 10. Right. I mean, like these things change and the biggest buyout shop has changed names, you know, a bunch of times. And it's really more about, I think finding a place or finding a, you know, ha- articulating to yourself and then being able to articulate in an interview why you want to do a certain flavor of private equity. Um, I want to do like, I want to do information technology focused private middle market private equity, because I think this, 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 and this. Mm -hmm. Um, And obviously I know, look, I get the, I get the game. A lot of people just want a job in private equity and whatnot. Well, I think part of getting a job in private equity is actually credibly being able to say, look, I want to work at fill in the blank place or in the among these firms that look like this, because I'm excited about this. And I think, I think you guys are going to do really well the next 10 years because I see this mega trend or I see convergence or I see something. And I think being able to like articulate that and, and forget what everyone's doing, forget what's hot right now. Just be like, I, you know, we have, I know all these people who were doing these things were going to going to funds that maybe were out of favor or new or no one understood what they were doing. And you know, whatever's doing well right now, is almost certainly going to need to evolve to, to do well in the future, and so I think the other thing about it is like is just the evolution of the industry is is constant, and so and I do mean constant. Like if you if you don't if you're not if you're in private equity and you're not and you're not constantly thinking about challenging the way you do things, challenging how you spend your time, challenging how you're prosecuting opportunities, what your processes are, how you're adding value then um you know eventually it'll stop working um yeah. and so the you know so so as younger people like thinking about the industry i think it's more like hey look sector specific stuff is isn't has i think been proven to be a not a bad place to be whereas i think when i was coming up people were like you want to work in a sector fund like that's so limiting and you sure you no, want to do Hull you know U and all that yeah. yeah yeah all that stuff and it's like well i do but but the, at the same time like you go work at a you know you go work in a healthcare fund and yeah. You're only doing healthcare. That's right. But like, like you got to have to make your peace with that. But at the same time, like maybe that healthcare fund, because all they do is healthcare has an edge. It's going to do, it's going to do a pretty good job in healthcare. Right. Yep. So, um, and, and maybe if you join it when it only has 15 people or 20 people or 50 people and you, and you think there's a there's road for it to become a hundred person firm and manage billions of dollars, well, maybe that's a pretty good opportunity for you.
0: Yeah. I think that's great. I think it's awesome advice. <laughs> Don't always chase the shiny object in the, in the, the biggest name is what is kind of uh, how we can summarize that.
1: For sure. Yeah, for sure. Um, absolutely. Uh, it You know, when you have a look at, in the I think some of the firms, even the biggest, some of the biggest firms have proven they can double, they can keep doubling or they can keep getting bigger and maybe they're great places, but, but others haven't. And so it's more, you know, all, all I can, you know, all, you know, just like, um, what's the famous quote that J.P. Morgan said about stocks? He, he, people, someone asked him to comment on stocks, and he's he, like, what, what do you think stocks will do? And he said, they will fluctuate or something like that. And, and yeah. it's, it's the same thing. It's more just like, where do you want to you know, vote for with your feet? Got it.
0: Well, Peter, thanks so much for taking the time. It's been really insightful and fun and good catching up as well.
1: Absolutely, Pat. Anytime. Thanks so much. Good luck with everything.
0: Thanks. And thanks to you, my listeners at Wall Street Oasis. If you have any suggestions whatsoever, please don't hesitate to send them my way, patrick at wallstreetoasis.com. Until next time.